Welcome to The Putting Couch, episode 48. Today, we have the honor of speaking with Dr. Bob Winters, one of our regular um, partners here in The Putting Couch, brought to you by the Fubor Putter Company's tour team. I'm Jim Grunberg, along with Ted Galina. And again, Dr. Bob Winters, welcome back. Uh, we never get enough of you, Doc, when we talk about all the different you know, mental things that go into putting and playing the game. So it's great to have you today, and uh, we look forward to a nice discussion. Well, you know, thanks for having me on, Jim and Ted. It's always great to be with you guys. And we want to start today in a totally different direction. We're going to talk about the recent 148th running of the Kentucky Derby. And as we all know, very late entry, Rich Strike went on to score this upset victory. And what was really amazing about that is my wife and I were watching this race. Everyone loves an underdog. Listen, Ian, you're saying this was the putting couch. Well, the point of it is, is that when they get the horses into the paddock, into the starting gate, and they have to load them up, Rich Strike was on the outside. He was number 20. He was the last horse to be put in, you know, to the starting gate. And he was rearing, he was bucking. And he wasn't really ready to go. And when they finally got him in, and then they opened the gates, if you take a look at the replays, Rich Strike came from the far right side. He was 20 to 22 lengths behind the leaders. And in this horse race, this horse, Rich Strike, made up 20 to 22 lengths and really came on to catch you know, the leaders right at the very end and win the race. And so what I'm trying to actually bring today to our listeners is this whole notion of when we actually get on the tee or when we step onto the green, a routine is comprised of three essential ingredients, being ready, aim, and putt or fire. Even when we're actually getting ready to start a race, whether you're a racer, a runner, or a swimmer, they say, you know, runners on your mark, get set, go. But there's always this ready phase. What is it about having a great pre-putt routine that allows you to be ready under any type of conditions? So when you step into the ball, you are, you are absolutely knowing that you are ready to hit this putt and to make this putt. And the reason I'm using this sort of analogy with, you know, the horse race in Kentucky Derby with Rich Strike is that this horse went in with a plan. You know, Sonny Leon was his jockey. His team knew how his horse was going to run. They had prepared for this. They were ready for this. And they knew that if he got into the backstretch, this horse could outrun any other horse in the field. And I thought to myself, how many times do we step over a shot or step into a putt? And we really know what's going to happen. Do we really understand our performance? Do we really understand our race, if you will? And when we step into a putt, are we really sure what we want to do with this putt? And is there something that we can talk about here today to help all players of all talent levels, all handicap levels, be ready when they step into a putt? So that's really where we're going to actually start here today. And Ted and Jim, I don't know if you saw the race, but it was exciting. It was a breath of fresh air for horse racing, for the sporting world. And it just took my breath away. What were your impressions? Yeah, I'm actually a, a huge horse racing fan. I grew up in Arlington Heights, Illinois, and I worked at Arlington Park Racetrack for all my years during high school. So 
Um, I'm actually a horse guy and, uh, it was amazing. I mean, as, as you said, the one cool thing is, is that coming from the, literally the 20, 20th spot on the outside, the last, he was in the last gate, uh, the last part of the gate. Um, he had a clear vision for the only possible way that he could win. And that jockey immediately took him to the rail. I mean, it was just a dead straight. So you get the feeling that the other 19 horses are just sort of letting things happen. But when you're on the outside like that, he, he had to make, he had, there was two ways he could go. I mean, he could stay on the outside, he could stay behind. But the very first thing he did is he went exactly where he needed to go. And at that point in time, he then ran a race that was clearly already something that they had thought about over and over and over in their minds. And that jockey was able to, to stick, was able to steer the horse exactly where they wanted to go. And uh, it, it really was an amazing example of preparation, even for a horse that, quite frankly, you could have forgiven if it wasn't prepared because the day earlier, the horse was not even in the Kentucky Derby. So um, you have to hand it to the people around that horse to have had a plan, uh, whether or not uh, they got in, they were not going to miss the moment if they did get that shot, because it's very unlikely and very unusual um, for, uh, you know, it's sort of the last alternate in the field. It's sort of the John Daly wins the PGA championship scenario, right? As the last right. alternate, you know, somebody's wife had to go into labor for Daly to get into the PGA championship and he goes wire to wire. Um, and it was, it was that sort of thing. So, you know, bringing again, bringing that back to golf, I think um, that you really have to be prepared for when that moment might happen. And for, for an average golfer, that might just be, I mean, any time you go out to play golf, I mean, what do you want to do? You want to shoot your career best. You want to do something that you haven't done before, um, but it's probably not going to happen if you're not prepared for it. You know, absolutely right. And it's funny, Jim, you've been you know involved in horse racing. My cousin, uh, Jerry Winters, has been you know professional jockey for about the past 40 years. And he has you know raced all sorts of quarter horses and thoroughbreds. And I did a psychology of a professional jockey with him many, many years ago. And he said, there is nothing like being in the starting gate above a thousand pound, just hyped up animal. And they open up that gate. It's just like, you can't even imagine. It's like being shot out of a cannon. And he said, you just want to hold on and go. But you said something, Jim, I thought was really you know vital there. And it applies to putting. When Rich Strike came out of that gate, he saw the beeline. He took that beeline. He saw his line where he wanted to go. And I think that right there is a great starting point for a lot of people. So when we start talking about ready, aim, putt, one of the first things you know, you've got to ask yourself, do I really see where this putt needs to go? Do I really see the line? Am I ready to actually start this ball to say, this is where the ball needs to go. This is how it needs to roll. And here's where I want it to end up. Because if you think about you know, that race, going back and forth now, if you go back to that race, Sonny Leon, the jockey on Rich Strike, he was looking for those openings. He was looking for that little you know, bit of daylight to actually squeeze you know, that horse you know, in between you know, these other thundering hoofs. And he actually led it on to victory. I just really wanted to kind of start with there because ready, aim, fire. You know, are the three main components of pre-performance routines. And if people don't have a pre-putt routine and you're really sort of really playing with not a full deck, you know, because every time you step into it, you have to ask yourself, am I really ready? 
Because one of the most important things in putting is knowing what you want the ball to do, knowing where you want it to go, and how fast is the delivery speed into the hole. So these are things that you have to you know, keep in mind you know, long before you step into you know, the putt. One of the things I really wanted to kind of talk about today that I think everyone can take away from this is, is sort of to rehearse or not to rehearse prior to you stepping in. To take a pre-hearsal stroke is what I call, I think Dave Peltz calls it a preview stroke. I call it a pre-hearsal. It's pre before the actual stroke. It is a rehearsal, but we're trying to set forth these initial conditions, talking about, you know, this duration, how fast, you know, do I really want to move this putter face? How much force do I really want to impact on the ball? So we're really setting these initial conditions. We sort of tap into our memory bank of previous putts, having you know an accumulation of all these putts, which we call in our heads in the motor learning world a schema, you know, or this generalized motor program that we can actually kind of tap into and say, okay, this is really what I see, this is what I feel, this is the input that leads me to a very productive and efficient output with me stroking the ball. So one of the things I want to kind of talk with you, you know, fellows about today, you Jim and you Ted was the notion about having a rehearsal stroke. And some people say a practice stroke. Do we take it from behind the ball? Do we take it next to the ball? And, and really, does it help us get ready? And what are your thoughts on this? Yeah, I mean, I think that's, I, I'd love to hear your thoughts. I mean, I, I know we see, you know, most great players at some point do stand behind the ball and look down the line. I mean, I think that's the only way you can realistically kind of determine your your line and your speed is to visualize it from behind right and then you know again out on tour you know they step up a lot of players will take a practice stroke some will not some will actually go halfway down the line towards the hole and stand over the line and take another practice stroke as if it's two putts you know so you know the first part of the putt to get it maybe to its point where it's going to have its maximum break and then coming home so we see a lot of things. One thing you don't see very often is that level of attention to detail on the golf course. You know, when we're out there just playing with our buddies, I think you have a tendency to sort of maybe get lost in the uh, in the mud of, of what's going on around you. You know, back to the horse race. I mean, you had 19 horses out there, you know, sort of all doing something different. And I think when you're out there playing with your regular group, you know, you might have a couple of the players that are just really not really paying attention on the greens, you know, maybe their minds are elsewhere. And so, you know, it's possible that the lack of focus that you find around you is going to very easily rub off on you. And it could just be a lost round on the greens, but how do you go about getting that focus and getting that routine, no matter who you're playing with and no matter what's going on around you in order that you can be the best putter that you possibly can be. I think, you know, those are great, great points, but let's talk about, you know, is a putt, putt, a putt. I mean, this is really one of my mental rules where I'm not trying to place any less or more importance on the significance of a putt. So whether I have a three foot putt or I have a player who has a 15, 20 foot putt, no matter what it's for, you know, do we go about this orderly process? Do we get our mind, even our spirit involved into this putt? Do we actually instill a little bit of willpower 
will we say, I'm going to give myself the power to actually make this putt? Because I know a lot of people work on something I call won't putt. They won't allow themselves to focus. They won't allow themselves to comply to a nice structure. And they just sort of do things willy nilly. And they don't really have a routine. And the only thing, you know, consistent about their routine is their inconsistency. So one of the things I have to, you know, be able to mention to people is that for me, and I've been involved putting research now for a long, long time, is that every putt is different. No matter how many times you've seen, you know, the same putt on your green home, your home course or wherever, every putt is different and every putt is situational, meaning, you know, the green, the slope, the contour, the speed is going to be different. So there are some putts, which we call green light putts, exactly what it is. Then we get into some of our yellow light and red light putts, where we have a downhill slick putt. You have to be very, very cautious. Now, a lot of people ask me, so, and as far as using a rehearsal stroke, so some of these times I get into a yellow light or red light situation, Dr. Winters, what should I be doing? Should I be doing the same thing? Should I be actually sticking to my routine, just verbatim, you know, stroke per stroke, or am I actually doing something a little bit different? Well, I think it all depends on the situation. First of all, if you've got a putt, that is looking a little bit tricky. It looks like it might you know, want to get away from you. You may want to take a little bit more time assessing it and having a few more rehearsals, trying to create that, what we call that putting perceptual feel set. That's really what this set hypothesis is, is all about. It's saying there's an internal state you know, in the body, in the mind that says, this is how I want it to feel. And for every putt we step into, You have to understand, we haven't hit five, six, 10 putts. We haven't really been working on our feel and touch. You know, we've got some downtime in between shots. Maybe we just come off a seven iron approach into the green and we've got a 15 foot slick downhiller now. So we have to actually take a look at the task and the situation we're in. It's nice to have a nice orderly flow in your routine, but you may want to be able to to put in a prehearsal stroke just to sort of get yourself a nice priming factor. So you can say, okay, this is how I want this particular putt to feel. Even if you don't really use that many rehearsals in your routine. For instance, I had a chance you know, to play uh, this past week at Lakewood Ranch and some of the most undulating uh, rolling greens I'd ever seen. They must have buried a couple of the circus elephants over there because they had some huge, huge rolls in them. And it took a lot of creative imagination to really sort of plan out your strategy. But at the same time, you know, I also, it wasn't a deviation from my routine per se, but I actually added a couple of rehearsal strokes so I could actually feel very comfortable stepping into the ball and knowing, absolutely knowing this, this, what I say, this sense of certitude, you know, assurance, this is how I wanted to actually stroke my putt so my ball could go on the appropriate ball roll line at you know the appropriate speed. Every putt is situational. You, it's nice to have a great, very structured team. Every now and then, it's a rehearsal stroke. And there's other people who say, I don't use a rehearsal stroke at all. I just step in. That's sort of you know something that we can kind of chew the fat on, if you will, for a few minutes. Is that rehearsal stroke for you? Is it? Is it always... 
once it's your turn to putt? Or are you actually taking some of these rehearsal strokes once you've marked your ball and somebody else who's outside of you is putting? You know, I've always told people that, you know, what is the single most important aspect of, of a great routine, whether it's for a drive and a coach iron or even a putt? And that is regardless of all of these other qualities, the timing, the number of strokes, the number of looks you take, one of the, the most important ingredients in having a routine is that when you step into the ball to aim and address and align yourself to your target, whether it's the hole or it's a target in space, the most important thing is, do you really believe that the ball is going into the cup? Do you really know what you know? And are you absolutely ready to perform? And that's really what we talk about, having this appropriate focus in the present moment. So when you are focused, you know, and you are focused on execution and you are right there in that moment, what happens to all the doubt, all the insecurities, all the trepidation starts to dissolve because you are totally absorbed into performing in that moment. So when I use, you know, a rehearsal stroke, you know, to actually get myself ready, once I've done that, it helps me feel internally ready. Because there's nothing more important that when you step into the ball to aim and align the putter, that you realize I've got the right feel, I've got the right ball roll line, and I know what I know. And then you can step ahead and putt it with confidence. And that's really what putting confidence is. Putting confidence is the ability to know that when you step in, you have a great chance of holding this putt. Let's face it, in, in putting, you know, you have to be decisive. And the more decisive, the more sure you are, that is a direct conduit to creating putting and confidence. So that's sort of how I see it. Well, I know when, when I'm out there on the green, you can tell the players who take a little bit more time and understanding in making putts than those who don't uh, just sort of get up there and slap it around. Now that also comes out with the different types of scores too. So the person who's understanding and more has more of a routine in their putting stroke probably has a case of shooting a little bit better score than those who just get up there and just slap it around. So it's one of those things where you're playing with those players. You just have to, you know, stay in your routine the whole time and feel don't feel so uncomfortable when they're just up there slapping the, the putt around and you still got to go through your routine to make that, you know, par putt or birdie putt and so forth. And got it. Like you said, being, being a nice confident mode when making that stroke. One of the things that we did at the university of Virginia, when I was there with, you know, Bob Rotella and Linda Bunker, and we were looking at different ideas for, you know, routines, putting routines. And this one notion of just do I rehearse? or not rehearse, to be or not to be. Do I rehearse or not rehearse? Again, you talked about visual styles, say different strokes for different folks. And I think that really helps you know, people understand something because if you have a talent level and you're sort of novice or new to the game, you, know, you will do different things rather than somebody who's been playing the game for a long, long time. For instance, with a beginner, I will have them say, okay, what do you want to do with this putt? And they will actually tell me and I say, okay. So now let's just take in a couple of nice, nice gentle breaths and let's just sort of move the putter back and forth. Take a couple of little, what I call rehearsal strokes. 
Then I'll say, you know, look down your ball roll line from behind, looking right down the ball roll line from behind the ball. Then I want them to make real time rehearsed stroke. And now they can give themselves sort of this verbal cue. It's a verbal motor cue, especially when they're in sort of what we call the beginning stages of learning. And it's just back through, back through, or we can go one, two, one going back, two going forward. And just that little cadence, you know, back and through, back and through helps, you know, reinforce, you know, that physical motion and this physiological set so that when they step into the ball and then they aim and align that putter, they look down the line and come back. They can even talk themselves through this. They can go one, two. That's, you know, really what they're feeling. That's with the, a beginner or someone relatively new to the game. You know, when we actually get to what we call automatic, you know, processing with, you know, expert players, talented players, you know, all of that, you know, sort of setting up aim and alignment, all of that has now just been sort of, you know, it's, it's overlearned. It has been, you know, taken over by different processes in the brain. We don't have to have this conscious self-monitoring and that's sort of what we call a reflexive response. So there's different strokes for different folks. But I think about all the different great putters that I've seen, that I've talked and that work. Some use a rehearsal stroke behind, you know, the putt. Some use a rehearsal next to the ball. And then others, such as Dave Stockton, don't use a rehearsal stroke. They just sort of use their hand in some sort of guiding, you know, serpentine down the line. Just sort of they have a feel, this kinesthetic, tactile, proprioceptive feel. So when they step into the ball, they have an idea how to hit it. So player has a different type style, but it, they have something that works for them. And I don't know if you know, we get away from that, talking about different people seeing different things and being ready to putt. But I know that when we play in scrambles and you've got three or other eyes you know, on a butt, and what I want everybody to understand is that everyone sees it a little bit different. We live in one physical world, but we have billions of people who are living in their own internal world on this one physical world. And the one thing that we do know about a putt is that it responds to gravity and physics. And so if Jim, you and Ted and I were playing and we all took a look at a 12 foot breaking putt right to left, each one of us would have our own perceptual judgment about how to hit this putt and where it needs to start and where it needs to break. But only each one of us knows how hard we really want to do with that putt. Now we can sit here with a perfect roller and actually roll the ball down and say, this is the absolute perfect line. And by the way, I've been you know, looking at a lot of YouTube here late on these perfect putt rollers. And they're saying, this is why it's so tough to make a putt. And so they keep rolling the ball down and they roll five or six putts. And each one of them, maybe only two out of the five go in. And people are going, how can this be? Well, what people have to realize is that the putting green service is organic. It's a living, breathing thing. It's constantly moving, constantly shifting. The grass is shifting. So you've got different tracks, you know, running, you know, into the hole. So it's, it's not true that everybody, you know, sees the same thing. So you have to be able to step up there and be self-assured that this is the ball roll line and this is how hard I want it. So that my sensory information leads me to the most productive output when I hit this putt. 
think about all the times you played and someone said, it's two balls here to the outside of the right cup. And you're going, hmm, I do that. And that's why when you're always playing in a two-person scramble or you're playing in a two-person best ball, you know, men or women, boys or girls, when you ask your partner, what do you see? And your partner sees something totally different than you don't see. You know, what does that do? Well, that creates fusion. So I'm always telling people, you have to putt it the way you see it, the way you feel it, because this is your putt. And so many times, you know, doing U.S. Open qualifying, because I have a lot of players right now qualifying for the U.S. Open. And I saw a player where we're coming down, you know, the stretch. And if I had made the putt, I was going to shoot 68 and, and qualify. And I saw another person, and I won't give you his name, but he's a great player, you know, on the tour. He steps up. We have the same putt, except my putt was about four inches inside his. And I had to mark my ball to the right. He steps up and hits his putt and goes, I think not break. It did not break at all. And then he tapped it in. And this is the only one time, and I will call, you know, a red flag on myself. <laughs> Foul and BS on Dr. Bob Winters, because I actually went and I actually sort of listened to what he said. I let his thoughts, his vocalization affect me. So I didn't play it as much Saul, and it actually broke and it went the other way. It broke the way I thought, and I actually missed the putt, shot 69, you know, and I missed not going open. So the point, you know, at, at that time was, was, what should we learn from this is that everybody sees something different. And when you step in, are you ready to make your putt? Because that's it. You know, this is really what it's all about. This is your opportunity on every putt to make this putt, to get it going. But that's where we have to start in putting is that each putt can be made no matter the distance. Every putt deserves to be made. My putt on the ball roll line at the speed that I see. And I, I'm not going to be influenced by any other fact because it's my ball, my time, my day, and hopefully my success. Hey, Doc, I know that, you know, on the tours, at least a lot of the players talk about the tremendous importance of the speed of the putt. And most of them will tell you that really at the level that they have to putt at to win tournaments, it's really all about the speed. And a lot of them believe that, you know, they'll, they'll get their fair share in terms of picking the right line. But if you don't have good speed control, you're going to be putting long, long putts just to save a two putt. So when a golfer goes up there and is taking the practice stroke, again, um, I believe what we're saying is, is that in your mind, the visualization you have at that moment is how hard am I going to hit this putt? I mean, in terms of what type of force is it going to take to get that ball rolling uphill, downhill, um, and, and the line issues are going to be separate. But when you see players on the green, even as Ted talked about, other players are putting out, Ted's inside of them. Ted is still, he knows how far he's got. He's looked at it to see if it's an uphill or a downhill putt. So he's visualizing the speed of the putt. And I think it's important is that that's really what we're talking about. It is what we're talking about, but you know, I have a sort of a different view on that. I hear people talk about that all the time, you know, which is more important line or speed and, you know, one affects the other. So what I'm trying to get people to understand is that each human being sees each putt 
you know, as an individual separate entity. So every putt is really what I call, where is this line speed? And it is the line at which you want your ball to travel on with the appropriate speed control, the appropriate force that you've actually impacted on that putt. So that ball will hold that line to go into the hole at the delivery speed that you intend. And that's why when we actually absorb all this information, you know, from our visual system, from our proprioceptive system, balance system, our perceptual fine motor control touch system, all of this input, you know, leads us to say, this is going to be my most productive output. This is how I actually want to hit the putt. And when you talk about all the tour players trying to actually rehearse and find something that works for them, each one will actually do something different. Now, I know I see a lot of players who actually take the putter, you know, soon just get on the green, they start to go in their routine, their process. They'll take it back and forth three or four times, almost like a windmill. And that's sort of, for me, it's sort of the wake-up call. You're waking up the motor neurons. You're trying, trying to get rid of sort of the heebie-jeebies. You may be trying to actually just get the feel of the putter head, the weight of the instrument, just trying to develop some sense of flow and rhythm in your hands, arms, and shoulders. And that's you see a lot of people doing that. And I don't mind that, but then they go in to actually step into the putt, but they really haven't preset you know, this feel for how they want to hit this putt with a very specific rehearsal stroke. So when I say, okay, you can go back and forth here with, you know, you know, doing a windmill, like you're moving air, but I would also like for you to do, let's do a rehearsal stroke. That's a real time swing as if you're going to step in and hit the ball. So that way you now sort of neural primed your brain and your body to say, this is how I want to hit this putt. And so when you're talking, about you know Jim and Ted, you're talking about these tour professionals. They're really thinking about the speed. Essentially, what they're saying: this is the speed at which I want my ball to travel. But I see this line, so I actually integrate both of those dimensions. My line speed. We are talking earlier about each one of us sees something different. We see our line speed different. The rate of rotation of the ball traveling on you know the ball roll line. You know at the speed that I see it. That's line speed that integrates, you know, both our kinesthetic and tactile and proprioceptive powers with our visualization. So it's like Tiger, when he was talking about putting his best, his dad would say, Tiger, what are you seeing here? He said, well, Pop goes, I see the ball sort of traveling on this little curved line and it's going right there to the hole. And so Earl Woods would say, well, Tiger, I just need you to paint that picture. And so Tiger would be next to the ball and he would actually be running his eyes back and forth on this ball roll line. And he would then take a couple of preview or rehearsal strokes to actually accommodate exactly what his visual and touch system you know, was telling him. So when we start talking about feedback, this is a motor learning principle called feed forward. We're actually feeding into our motor system. This is how I want it, you know, to, to feel. This is a, you know, a, a, pre, a preview of the stroke that I want to hit. So instead of feedback, it's a feed forward mechanism. And I think that's really what the prehearsal stroke is. It is a neural priming 
of the motor system to say, this is how I want to hit it. And I think, you know, that right there is really where a lot of people can really benefit from because each one of us sees it differently, but you have to be able and trust your line speed when you step into the ball. How you get that feel, you can take rehearsals, you can use your hands back and forth. To me, that's really what Ted you know, was talking about earlier. It's individual strokes, individual styles, what you know is most comfortable for you. Because what is it we wanna do with the putt in the first place? We just wanna step up in there, know that we have the right feel, know we've got the right ball rule line so that we step in, we can actually hit it, and then we can putt with confidence. Dr. Bob, whether it goes in or not, yeah, go ahead. You're playing opponent, partner. Do you even, I mean, I, I guess I do. I watch the speed of their putts, and I know, you know, I also watch to, to see the break and so forth. How much emphasis should a, you know, a junior golfer or a collegiate golfer or even a, a tour player, how much emphasis in your mind do they take to look at that to see what's, what that putt did and then process it in your own mind of how uh, it relates to my putting stroke. I mean, is that too much to think in a short amount of time or is that helpful to, to you? Well, I think, you know, it's like the great Yankee catcher and manager Yogi Berra said, you can learn a whole lot just by watching and just by observing. But one of the things, you know, when people say, wow, that ball didn't break as much much at the hose, which I thought one of the things I'm always trying to help, you know, my players is just not look at, you know, the ball, you know, uh, going down the ball roll line to the hole, take a look at how a player hits that putt. You know, what was the force factor? We can almost feel through almost visualization and osmosis hard a player wraps a putt. And so really that determines, you know, his, his ball speed and his you know, line speed. So that's one of the things I take Again, I, I don't think, you know, it's uh, take a heck of a lot more time or information. And I remember Greg Norman said something to us, Dr. Patrick Cohn and myself, when we were doing the Mental Art of Putting, you know, book we so many years ago and still is an evergreen classic. He said, I want to make sure I'm giving myself the very best look, the very best vision of a putt. I want to get as much information on this putt as I possibly can so I can make the ultimate clear decision of what I want to do with this putt. And I, I thought that, you know, it said it all. So, you know, I think, you know, it isn't all that much, just be observant, just be aware. And if you see something there that, you know, sort of, you know, offsets, you know, something that you didn't see before, well, that's another piece of information that you could actually have to, you know, make your putting attempt, you know, much more successful. That's incredible stuff. Hey, Doc, this, I wanted to follow up one time on just this Tiger Woods, uh, you know, um, routine. He, you mentioned how much he was seeing in his head, you know, sort of painting that picture. Did When he took his practice uh, putts, I mean, in his mind, what is he, is he actually visualizing the ball rolling all the way into the hole? I mean, what, what is he seeing when he's taking a practice putt, a practice swing, excuse me? Well, I can't speak for Tiger Woods uh, specifically, <laughs> but, you know, I will say this is that, you know, from the world of sports vision, which I came from before I got into sports psychology, I mean, I had learned from some of the very best people in the business, Dr. Bill Lee, Dr. Bill Harrison, both from California, Dr. Craig Farnsworth, Dr. Herbert Price, and they were always talking about real-time visualization. 
especially in putting, you know, when you actually putt and you're rolling your eyes and you're looking up and down the line, you want to be able to sort of see the ball traveling real speed. And that takes a little bit of effort to do. But once you really start doing that, it's amazing how that transfers, you know, to you coming back and hitting the putt, you know, much more solidly, uh, having better speed control and even, you know, line and distance control. So for Tiger, you know, he would actually take a couple of those, you know, rehearsal strokes next to the ball. But again, what was he trying to do? He was trying to match that internal sensory input with this effective motor output with his hands. So he was really trying to see, okay, this matches, this really, you know, sort of is a good fit. And then he would step in, hit the putt. He would paint that picture. Now, what most people don't realize, and they always ask me, I don't see a line. I don't see, you know, a curved line. I, I, I just feel it or they feel a ball going out. So now I know they aren't a visualizer. They're more of what we call a proprioceptive imager, meaning they imagine the feeling of that ball rolling on this line. So I just say, well, stroke it where you really believe that ball is going to roll to. And, you know, they can use, you know, any different type of aiming devices or green reading, you know, supplements like aim point or whatever, plumb bobbing, whatever it is. But the most important thing is that when they step in, did they actually hit the ball on that intended ball roll line at the right line speed? So, you know, for Tiger, for all these other professionals in the world, uh, they've all learned how to actually adapt to different greens adapt to different you know, situations. And it's always coming back to every putt is situational. Every putt is a new putt and not, not any two putts, even if they're just right next to each other, may be a little bit different. So you always want to say, I'm going to be vigilant. I'm going to be attentive and I'm going to have great focus and attention on this putt because you just don't want to go to sleep and say, wow, I missed something. I just didn't see that. So give yourself the very best information you can put it into your putting memory bank and say, this is really what, you know, I've done before. I've seen this type of putt before, and here's how I'm going to handle this one. So when you step in, you step in, you know, with a certain amount of putting confidence and the more putts that you drain, the more that you put those great positive deposits in your memory bank, the more you can actually go back into that memory bank and withdraw those great deposits and make more putts. Wow, this was great stuff today, Dr. Bob. I think for any of our longtime listeners or first-time listeners, I think they may have questioned whether there was enough content uh, in just talking about putting for a put for a podcast. Uh, I think uh, we'll rest our case. I mean, we're almost at number fifty in terms of uh, the first podcast devoted exclusively to all things putting, and in great golf includes great putting. If you want to play your best golf, at some point in time, you're going to have to embrace and love putting. There's a lot to it. The best players in the world probably spend more time thinking about putting than anything else. And that's why we've got you covered here on the Putting Couch Podcast, brought to you by the Seymour Putter Company's tour team. I'm Jim Grunberg, along with Ted Galena, and this week's guest, Dr. Bob Winters. Thank you for listening. We appreciate you joining us. If you haven't subscribed to the show, make sure you do wherever you're listening. 
be sure to leave a rating and review because that's how we get the Putting Couch podcast content in front of more people. Also, take a screenshot and share it on social media and tag us at Seymour Putters or hashtag Team Seymour.